Hi there. As Michael just prayed, I'm Dave, one of the elders here at Beacon. And earlier, Dylan also prayed for Turkish-speaking peoples around the world. And I got to take a trip with Dylan and a couple others from Beacon to a, a major city in Central Asia. And, and during our trip there, we, we had one sort of particularly interesting highlight, which was a, a taxi ride. And we, 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 we were going to shopping to one of the bazaars there, and we wanted to get back to our hotel. And we knew the public transit was really slow. We were on a tight schedule, so we hired a taxi. Now, the way you're supposed to normally do it is there's a, a fare you pay, as, pay as you go. But this taxi driver wanted to kind of negotiate with us, and we got arranged a fixed price deal. So this, this taxi driver really wanted to get us to our destination fast. And as I rode in that car, I, I didn't know the city. I didn't really know the turns and, and whether the taxi driver was going the right way. But I, I was very confident that he was headed to the right destination. And I was trusting him to get us there. And, and of course, he did. And today, we're going to see in our passage how Paul is on a journey. And God has told him multiple times where his destination is. But he's trusting God to get him there, even in the midst of various challenges along the way. So if you have your Bible today, please turn with me to Acts chapter 27. We're going to look at verses 39 in chapter 27 all the way through to chapter 28 and verse 10. And the Bible's provided. That's on page 937. Just a little bit of background about the book of Acts and, and our sermon series here. Our series in the book of Acts is entitled Church on Mission. And really the theme verse of Acts is Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So as we've seen the arc of the book of Acts... Acts chapter 21, Paul was preaching in Jerusalem. The Jewish leaders there didn't like what they were hearing. They put him on trial. And then Paul has been going from one trial to the other. As a prisoner, he appealed to Caesar, and he's been making his way slowly to Rome. Acts 27, there was a major storm on the, on the way. The ship had a lot of trouble. They were stuck at sea, drifting for a while, and then now they've, they've found that they're nearing land. But they, they paused for the night, they didn't go ashore, they want to wait till the morning to, to come ashore. And there were a couple of key junctures in this, this whole experience for Paul. One was, back in Acts 23, verse 11, the Lord had stood by Paul and assured him that as he had testified in Jerusalem, so he must testify in Rome. And then again, just last week, we saw in Acts chapter 27 how an angel appeared to Paul, stood before him and told him that he must stand before Caesar, and the Lord had granted all those who were on the ship with him. So even in the midst of the storm that was happening, God had appeared to Paul, told him what his destination was, that he was headed to Rome, and that everyone on the ship would be safe. So let's now read our passage here, Acts 27, verse 39 and following. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach, on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. 
But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered that those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed, putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people of the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. So we see here, after the major storm, after they had been adrift at sea for a while, and after they detected that they were getting close to the shore, they were taking soundings in the water, and they saw that the depth of the water was getting less and less. So the, the sailors and the crew had put anchors down and had waited until the morning. Now it's the morning, they come onto the land, they see it, and then the rest follows. We see here, although God is never mentioned specifically in this passage, God's sovereign hand is present from one thing after another. Paul is experiencing challenges and difficulties, and God is guiding his way through it. And the implication of God's sovereignty, that God is in control of everything, from storms to the plans of centurions to snakes to human health, God is in control of everything, and what that means is that we can trust him. And so we're going to talk today about three ways that we can trust God. First, we can trust God to advance the gospel, even through difficulty. Then we're going to see how we can trust God's word as eyewitness testimony and as spirit-inspired. And third, we're going to talk about how you can trust God in your own circumstances. So let's talk first about how we can trust God to advance the gospel through difficulty. The author of Acts is a man named Luke. Luke also wrote the Gospel of Luke, which is a previous volume together to be read with Acts as a, as a two-part series. At the end of the book of Acts, Jesus has risen from the dead, appears to his disciples, and gives them a similar commission to what we hear at the beginning of Acts. At the end of Luke, Jesus says, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So what was this message this repentance for the forgiveness of sins that people were proclaiming all throughout the Gospel of Acts. We talked a little bit about this earlier when Dylan did the time of confession. 
But the core of this message is that God has created everyone. God's created the whole universe. He's created every human being and created us to be in a, a relationship with him. But we've all sinned. We've all disobeyed God in one way or another. We just reflected on that, thinking about sin can be active rebellion, disobeying God, harming other people, or it can be more passive, an attitude, not, or not doing the thing that we're responsible to do. All of us have sinned against God, and all of us deserve God's judgment. And apart from Christ, that's where everyone would be headed, is actually separation from God in this life and in even for all eternity. But the amazing message of Jesus, which he spoke to his disciples, was that he had died on the cross, he had risen from the dead, and there was this repentance for the forgiveness of sins, that everyone who had come to put their faith in Christ, receive his gift of salvation, can have eternal life, starting in this life and then carrying on for all eternity. This was the message that Paul was preaching from place to place. And this is what eventually got him shipwrecked. Here he was going for the purpose of sharing this message and encountering these difficulties along the way. This was actually not Paul's only shipwreck. We learn in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that Paul was shipwrecked three times. So he was traveling around the Roman world, encountering all kinds of different difficulties. Shipwrecks were a little more common then. Now maybe, maybe today it would be like a taxi accident. Um, it, it was a little more common today. But, but Paul was enduring difficulty for the sake of the gospel. And on a human level, we would have thought Paul would have been stopped multiple times here. So what's the chance he really would endure a shipwreck? And then, look, the, the soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners. So if, you, if you're a soldier responsible for guarding the prisoners and you're coming up to an island, maybe a bunch of these prisoners escape and get away, and you'd be accountable with your life for, for those prisoners. So the soldiers were like, let's take them out before we hit land. Centurion wanted to save Paul and intervened. Behind that is God's sovereign hand. So surviving the shipwreck, surviving the plot of the soldiers, and then coming up to an island, you, have really, you basically have nothing left. What's the chance that the native people are going to receive you hospitably? Luke even writes, he says, that the native people in verse 2, the native people showed us unusual kindness. So he was surprised at how kind they were, God's hand working there as well. Then comes a snake bite. Paul should have died of snake poison. God delivers him there again. And then God's supernatural work with the healing of the people, giving them all favor and, and allowing them when it's time to go for the native people to help them out, give them provisions they need. So Paul, in his journey here to share the gospel, experienced difficulty after difficulty, but God guided and protected him through it all. How about our own lives? What challenges do we face in bringing the message of Christ to our own sphere and even beyond it? Some of the challenges we face are analogous, actually, to what Paul experienced. Sometimes sharing the gospel requires traveling, just like Paul was doing. We, Dylan prayed earlier about unreached people groups in the world, and a lot of times you're going to have to travel to get there. So there's just the challenge of logistics. Also, culture and ethnicity, the word for native people that is in chapter 28 is a word in Greek that refers to those people who are not Greek or Roman. So they would have probably spoken another language, likely a Phoenician dialect on the island of Malta. Perhaps Paul had some ability to communicate with them with his uh, background uh, in the Hebrew language. We're not exactly sure how they communicated, but they would have had a different cultural and linguistic background. 
that's a challenge as well. Even just busyness in our lives, a temptation to do a bunch of other things rather than making time for relationships and sharing the gospel, these can be challenges. But there's also heart challenges. What are people going to think? If I speak the word of Christ to someone, how's that going to affect my relationship with them? Or perhaps doubts in your own heart. What if I don't know all the answers? What if I'm asking my own questions? What if I'm struggling with my own doubts, my own sin? The message of this passage is that God is powerful, and he's able to work through difficulty to advance the gospel. He can open up doors logistically, and most of all, he can empower our hearts to take the gospel forward. We see how in this story, God opened up one door after another for Paul. He's powerful to do that in our own lives, but he wants us to step forward in faith and trust in him. So I want to ask, what's a tangible way you could take a step forward in reaching out to your own sphere of influence for Christ? Perhaps there's a friend or a neighbor you could reach out to, ask to spend some time together, ask about their spiritual background, and ask if you can share a little about your own faith with them. But I also want to ask you, how can you take a step forward in ministering internationally as well? Jesus had said that he was sending out his disciples to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So the reason Paul is on Mal in Malta here is because he was traveling ultimately to Rome to testify before Caesar, yes, but also to bring the gospel there. Paul was seeking to bring the gospel all throughout the Roman Empire to places near and far. And in our own lives, how can we be a part of reaching those internationally? may not necessarily mean going yourself, but you can pray. You can get connected to our ministry partners, the partners that Dylan was praying for. Those are real people you can get to know. You can receive some of their updates, pray for them. And I think also it would encourage us to be open. Lord, could I go? Perhaps move to another country, perhaps serve full-time in ministry to be a part of bringing the gospel to another area, just as we saw Paul doing here. And ultimately, God is the power source behind all of these things. We can't do this on our own. Advancing Christ's message is not easy. And if it weren't for God, Paul would have probably just drowned at sea. But there's the work of the, the hand of God guiding through it all. We don't know, we don't have an exact promise for how God's going to guide us through different situations. We haven't had an angel appear to us and tell us exactly what's going to happen. But we can trust that God is working and he's powerful. So we've seen how we can trust God to advance the gospel even through difficulty. Now let's talk a little bit about how we can trust God's word as eyewitness testimony and spirit-inspired. One of the really interesting things about this passage and backing up as well to chapter 27 is just the level of detail that the story includes. There's the foresail, there's the bay with the beach, there's Malta, there's the fever, there's, there's points on a map. And you can actually correlate a lot of this with ancient geography and ancient culture. If you're curious to read a little bit more about this, there's a small book called Evidence in Paul's Journeys. The author just compiles a whole variety of different scholars and how they've pieced together the corroboration of, of this story and some of other Paul's journeys as well. But let me just give you a snippet of a few of the ways that this story connects with ancient geography and culture. So when the, when the sailors came there to 
Malta, they ran aground on a bay with a beach, and they didn't recognize the land. So today there's actually a place in Malta called St. Paul's Island, which is the traditional location of Paul's shipwreck that fits with this geography here. It would not have been one of them. So Malta would have been a place where ships did dock intentionally, not just through shipwrecks, but to, to receive cargo and, and so on. Uh, but the place where they would have crashed wasn't one of those common ports. And so it makes sense that the sailors wouldn't have recognized it. And there, there's been a couple other locations besides the traditional one that have been uh, suggested where, where Paul might have crashed, and those can also fit the geography here. Uh, so it's, just, it's fascinating how people have been collaborating just on the, on the place where he crashed. Another example is Publius. He's described as the chief man of the island. It might sound like a little funny thing in our English, but that is likely an official title, and it's been found on ancient inscriptions in Malta, referring to other leaders of the island. Also, Publius's father is described as he has a fever and dysentery. That description corresponds really well with a sickness caused by goat's milk, and it's actually called Malta fever. So you can read a little bit about that as well. So there's a variety of different ways in which we see this story corresponding with, with outside evidence beyond the Bible. Now, these types of correspondences, they don't really prove that it necessarily happened. They don't, certainly don't prove that God exists and, and, and this is God's word, but they give us level of encouragement. And the point here is that Luke is a credible historical witness. He's not only a witness to the shipwreck, but he's a witness to the miraculous healings that happened here. And so while believing that God's word is spirit-inspired, having a relationship with God requires faith, requires a willingness to come before God and say, Lord, would you speak to me? Would you help me encounter you? So it's going to require that step of faith, but there's some solid historical evidence behind the scriptures that can, that can encourage our faith. And if you're not a Christian today, I would encourage you to read the Bible on your own and not to be afraid to ask tough questions, whether it's about history, whether it's about science, morality, what we have today here is a reliable record and something that we can put our faith in. And if you are a Christian, I would encourage you to continue to sharpen your knowledge of scriptures, reading it, and, and there's a lot of great resources as well. We have um, study Bibles that can have notes that can help you understand some of these things. So we've seen we can trust God to advance the gospel in the midst of difficulty We've seen we can trust God's word as reliable and ultimately spirit-inspired. Let's talk now about how we can trust God in the midst of the difficulties in our own lives. Alex spoke about this last week as well in the context of the storm. So this is really a continuation of that theme. How do we think about trusting God in the midst of challenges, difficulties? If you're here in person, you're not an actual shipwreck, people online, maybe, but we all experience one challenge or another. Maybe it's a hard relationship, a feeling that you're alone and isolated. Maybe it's a financial or health challenge in your life. We all live in a broken world. There are going to be challenges along the way. It's an ultimately effect of sin that came into the world, that we have all these different diseases, sickness, death, sadness in the world. It's a reality that we're ultimately going to face in one way or another. And we see in this passage an encouragement for us in the midst of difficulty and suffering, and we see an example of Paul responding to that in faith. 
that we can imitate. As mentioned before, we really see the, the fingerprint of the sovereign hand of God throughout this passage. Paul should have been shipwrecked, snake-bitten, dead, but here he is alive and continuing on his mission. He's going to get to Rome. We're going to continue on the, the messages. Paul reaches Rome next week. And God had promised Paul that he was going to make it to Rome. Paul knew his destination, just like I did in that, in that taxi ride. And although Paul made it to Rome, and most likely he was, he was acquitted by the Caesar, and he went on to do a few more years of ministry, Paul would actually be martyred, would be killed under that same emperor that initially acquitted him in, in this trial. So Paul had a sense of where he was going directly from God here, the Lord had stood by him, an angel had appeared to him, but he had also a deeper sense of where he was going. He knew he was headed for eternal life with Christ, no matter what happened. And for us, although we, we may not have had an angel appear to us and tell us, okay, next week you're going to stand in Rome or you're going you're to get to this place or that place, we know our ultimate destination. If you're a believer in Christ today, you know that you're going to have eternal life with Christ, no matter what happens in this life. And that can really affect the way we think about the difficulties that we experience. We know our ultimate destination, and we're trusting that God is sovereignly working throughout our lives. This is the God who created the entire universe, who can control ships and storms, who can control animals, who can control health. He's in control in your own life. Even if things feel out of control, he is in control, and you can trust him with your life situation. We also see how Paul responds to the difficulty that he experiences. Here he is, he's, he's basically lost everything, he's shipwrecked, and if you look back in, in Acts 27, he actually warned the people not to take this route, so Paul is perhaps thinking in the back of my mind, I told you so, I told you so, he could have, that's what he could have been thinking. But how does he respond? Well, let's look in, in uh, chapter 28, verse 2, it says, the native people showed us unusual kindness, they kindled a fire, they welcomed us all, begun to rain. Then in verse 3, when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, so what's Paul doing? They've washed up ashore. The native people are gathering a fire. Paul's really exhausted, wet, tired, cold. He's going out and he's getting sticks. So Paul is looking to serve the people there in a practical, tangible way. Then we, we see later, they get some favor. They get to talk with Publius. And Publius' father's lying there with a fever and dysentery. Paul goes up to him, touches him, even though he's sick, prays for him. God is working there. And then a whole bunch of other people say, okay, we're sick too. We've got diseases. Paul prays for them, uh, you know, person to person. So we see Paul serving practically and spiritually with prayer. Also, we don't have recorded in this, this passage Paul preaching the gospel, but he was there for three months. And if you go back at Paul's track record, everywhere else he went, he was always sharing Christ. And it's reasonable to assume when he was in Malta, when he was praying for people, when he was talking to Publius, when he was talking to the native people, he was bringing up Christ. Previously, when Paul had been in Lystra, people had thought, called him a god, and he was like, no, 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 I'm not a god. So when, when they responded and they thought Paul was a divine being, we can be almost entirely confident he would have spoken to that and taught them about the true God. So when Paul was experiencing challenges and difficulty, we can see some of the ways he responded. He responded with, with ultimately a trust in God with what was going on. He responded also just practical service of those nearby him, prayer, and also, I believe, we can reasonably assume he was sharing the gospel with people as well. So as we think about our own lives and the challenges that we face, there can be a time to, if you're, if you're experiencing something really hard, really difficult, to just 
sit in silence with your friends. That's something that Job did for a while when, when he lost all his stuff and all, all his kids. So there's a, there's a time for that. But as we trust in God in the midst of our difficulties, he's inviting us to be part of his redemptive plan. He's inviting us to serve those around us and to reach out to them spiritually as well. So I would encourage you, what's a practical way you can serve those around you? Most people don't need to gather sticks. But what can you, what, is there an opportunity you can have to serve your neighbors, perhaps creating a little more margin in your work schedule to help your coworkers? And then thinking about prayer. Prayer can be an amazing way to open up conversations with people. I had an experience there. Dane made a connection with me to, to a guy who had kind of been a little loosely connected to our church. I had met with him, had a spiritual conversation with them, and sort of lost touch with them. And I ran into him on the 73 bus. We are both coming back from work. I sat next to him, started catching up and chatting, and I just said, hey, how can I pray for you? And he opened up a little bit about, about something in his life that, that I can pray for. And I'll seek to just continue that relationship, pray for him, and then follow up with him later on. Asking how can I pray for you can be a way just to open up a relationship with someone on a deeper level and also introduce God into the experience and really do pray for them. The same God that healed Publius' father is still at work today. He can still work powerfully as we pray. So I would encourage you to pray for people and, and ask, how can I pray for you? If you're a little afraid to do that, I've certainly been afraid to ask somebody, how can I pray for you at different times? It's sort of you're identifying as somebody who believes in God, who would want to speak to God. I had a friend from college. I really felt like I wanted to have a deeper relationship with him, introduce God into the relationship. I said, hey, this might sound kind of weird, but hey, can, can I pray for you? And he said, oh, it's not weird at all. Actually, I'm, you know, I've been thinking a little bit about God. You know, and, and so pray as well for courage to bring this up, but praying for people, even people who aren't believers, is a practical way to start helping them think about God. And then how do we witness to them? How do we ask, hey, could I share a little bit about my faith in Christ? And imitating the way that Paul was responding to difficulty, trusting in God, and then looking for opportunities, even in the midst of really bad situations, to see, Lord, how can I serve others? How can I pray for others? How can I be a part of advancing your gospel? I also want us to consider Luke's role here. The author of the book of Acts uses different sort of pronouns in different places. In chapter 27, we see the word we, which indicates that Luke, for this portion of the journey, was actually traveling with Paul and his companions. Other places we see the word they, sort of saying, Luke's recording this, that he heard from other people, but he wasn't there himself. So the book of Acts actually oscillates between this we and they. And Scholars generally think this indicates Luke is with the people during this time. He actually experienced the shipwreck. And so all these details about the foresail and how many days they were at sea, Luke would have experienced this personally. Luke then went on to write both Gospel of Luke, Book of Acts. Why did he do that? Well, ultimately, it was the work of the Holy Spirit in him, partly to preserve it for us. But Luke, even in his own time, was thinking, how can I tell the story of what God has done. How can I tell this story of God's faithfulness to Paul in this shipwreck, getting him through to encourage other believers, to spur them on in their faith? And so as we think about imitating Luke as well, we can encourage other believers as we talk about how God has taken us through difficult situations and how God has opened up opportunities for us to be a witness 
of Christ. There's a practical opportunity I want to encourage you with. Here at Beacon, we have what we call discipleship groups. These are groups of three to five men or three to five women that we'll meet about weekly. We're going to be getting some new ones of those kicked off in the fall. And this is an opportunity to be with some other believers, to read the Bible, to pray together, and then to do some of what Luke was doing here. Actually encourage those other believers with how God is at work in your life, and then actually spur them on toward the mission. So the book of Luke and Acts records what the church has done, and it's sort of the invitation here too is, how do you continue the story? And so that's something we do in our discipleship groups as well, is helping keep other believers accountable in sharing their faith. So that's something I would encourage you with, and we'll have more information about that in the coming weeks. So we've seen in this passage how God guided Paul and his companions through a crazy series of scenarios, getting onto the shore in Malta safely, making it all the way across, surviving this plot to try to kill all the prisoners, surviving the snake bite, receiving incredible hospitality unexpectedly from the native people, God supernaturally healing Publius' father and a whole bunch of other people. And we've seen that behind all this is God's sovereign hand and the implications that we can trust him. We can trust God to advance the gospel even through difficulties. So if you're afraid to share the gospel, if you feel like you're stuck, ask for God's help. He's powerful. He can be behind it. We've also seen we can trust God's word as eyewitness testimony and ultimately as spirit-inspired. There's real corroborating evidence for this story here in Acts and a whole number of other things in the Bible. And finally, we've seen you, how you can trust God in your life circumstances. When we experience difficulty, when we experience hardship, we don't always know an immediate reason why, but we know our final destination. We know that for, if you're a believer in Christ, you have eternal life with him. You know where you're going. There's going to be all kinds of hardship, challenges along the way, and we don't always get exactly the same treatment Paul had. Stephen, Stephen was martyred before he really got to Rome or you know, got to experience all kinds of shipwrecks and stuff like that. Sometimes the suffering hits closer to home. We don't always understand it. But we can trust that God knows the path and he knows the destination. He's in control. We can trust God in our own circumstances. So let me pray for us. Uh, Lord God, we thank you for this passage. Lord, we thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul for all the different travels, experiences he had. Lord, we thank you for his passion for the gospel, for enduring three shipwrecks uh, for the sake of the gospel. Lord, and we, we thank you for this story of how you are in control of all things, that in the midst of one challenge after another, you guided the people through. And Lord, we thank you that you're in control of everything. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our hearts for a deeper trust in you, Lord for trusting you to advance the gospel and in the midst of difficulty. God, give us courage, strength, open up opportunities for us. Lord, we thank you that we can trust in your word. Give us deeper faith in you, a deeper experience of you, God, in your word and your truth. And Lord, I, I pray that we would trust you in our circumstances. Lord, even in the midst of the hardship of life, Lord, I pray that you would be close to us. Lord, those who are hurting today, Lord, would you comfort them? Would you encourage them? Would you help them to trust in you as their ultimate destination. And Lord, we commit all these things to you in your name. Amen.